2: There's like this scene in Jurassic Park with Jeff Goldblum's character. And it's like, just, you were so focused on whether or not you could, you didn't stop to think if you should. The thing is like, oh yeah, of course we want to be open to more people. We want to support more people. We want to do more things. And I think the challenge is really seeing like, okay, is that really the best thing? Is fast growth the best thing for our members, the best thing for our business? Or is fast growth kind of a quick, fix type thing that we'll then have to backtrack and like make up for later.
0: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Community Experience Podcast. If you don't already know me, hi, I'm Jillian Benbow, and I'm the host of the show. Today, I'm talking to Lisa Barocca of Cultivate. And oh my gosh, we have such a fun conversation Things that are mentioned in the beginning that I don't explain are then explained at the end. So hang until the end to get the full story on why we were talking about paper-wrapped textbooks, because it's worth it. Uh, This is a great conversation. We are talking about slow growth in communities and the benefits of that. We are talking about boundaries. We are talking about onboarding. We are talking about the social (laughs) pariah that is... um, Facebook groups to community to social online engagement it we have the best conversation and I think this is one of those conversations that anyone building community will completely feel like they're a part of and in the room so enjoy <laughs> Okay, so I am here with the lovely Lisa Baroca of Cultivate and we've already been having a blast before I hit record talking, so we're just going to keep going cuz you know, she I haven't scared her off yet. So <laughs> welcome welcome to the show, Lisa.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm sad that our talk of book covers in high school is not recorded, but <laughs> we'll get back there.
0: I mean, that should be like a bonus episode because that was a fantastic, fantastic conversation that so many people could relate to. But alas, we're here to talk about other things. Tell us about you, Lisa. You're the community manager of Cultivate. What else? What makes you tick?
2: Yeah, I am. So like you said, I'm the community manager of Cultivate, which is where I support the cultivators community. So Cultivate, the company, is a professional services firm, and we are really focused on research and building education programs and facilitation to make large companies more empowering places to work. And the way that we do that is by empowering folks that we call cultivators. So those are people who are committed to making positive change in their organizations. So that's kind of our client services side. But I get to work on our community side, which kind of acknowledges that not everyone's in a large organization, Maybe not everyone has access to organizational budget, but they might see something and want to do something in their company, whether that is making a change around equity, introducing a new product, talking about a new policy or culture initiative. So the community is really for everyone to support them in that mission. So that's what I get to do every day. Other than that, I am a writer. I am. A gal about town in Ithaca, New York. I'm very obsessed with where I live, so I always have to shout it out. I have one very sweet dog son named Remington. That is a, a bit about me. I'm really, really passionate about community. I am really interested in community as a practice ground for the worlds that we want to see and trying to to investigate the ways that we can do things differently and the ways that we get together.
0: It's fascinating the work you do at cultivate and the and the name makes even more sense now but i'm curious just so the the communities you're running there now it's mostly employees of whatever companies but they're all there with this commitment to you know enhance the workplace it sounds like or just like how we work what kind of stuff are you guys doing in there like programming and that i'm just genuinely curious what yeah yeah what it's we like because it sounds wonderful.
2: Thank you. I'm really thrilled to get to work with all those folks, because just hearing about the things that they do and the things that they come up with to do is really amazing. We're recording this in early February. We actually, I pushed out the recording of this podcast a little bit because we had our first ever conference in late January called Cultivator Con. So that was a chance to really celebrate the work of cultivators. And we had 11 wonderful speakers give 10 talks. One of them was with two folks on different different components of making change from data, from finding your co-conspirators. And the wild thing throughout that process that I realized was that this process of making change is a lot like building community. Like you kind of have to do the same things. You have to find your people. You have to get vulnerable in sharing an idea. You have to have data to back up what you're trying to do. You have to focus on one or just a couple of things in order to get anything done. So the conference was kind of our big baby for the last few months for sure. And it was really incredible to get a chance to celebrate those stories and those change initiatives and those folks Other than that, I had come from a peer support background. So one thing I was really interested in when I came to this community, I had never worked in professional services before, didn't super know what that meant. And so one of the things I really wanted to do was create a peer support space around work. How do we come together, share the challenges that we face at work, and get support and feedback on those things? Um, So we have a right now monthly, it might move up to be more frequent, event called Action Hour, where folks do just that. They bring a challenge, we break into breakout rooms, and folks just get a chance to be heard and get some advice. We also do monthly webinars and like learning initiatives. We bring some of our learning programs that we develop on the client side into our community so that people can have those tools and and learn and use them to do whatever it is they are trying to do to make positive change. So that, yeah, that's a little bit about what we do. We are pretty events focused. Our folks are pretty busy. So we find that having the chance to set that time to come together is what works best for our folks right now.
0: That's all so great. And I love something you're kind of implying, but I'd love to dive into is just this idea of like intentional community and intentional community building I know you are passionate about something I'm also passionate about, which is like slow growth community, like that slow burn and like very intentional growth. I'm curious, one, do you want to just kind of talk generally, like how you view that, your opinions of that, and also just maybe how examples of how you you do that in your community now? Like, how is that put into practice? Because I think this is something that I think a lot of community builders forget that actually like slow growth is fantastic. A lot of us are under pressure from, you know, companies we work for, especially if they're funded and and growth is like the top priority and whatnot. So just talking about this and ways it can be done, I think is helpful to anybody, whether that is your situation or you run your own community and you feel obligated to like rapidly grow.
2: Yeah, I love that topic. I think growth is like, a, is kind of like a sexy metric, right? Like you can say like, X percent growth, and that sounds really great, but I think growth is often a misleading metric in that it actually doesn't tell you anything about how your community is doing. It's getting bigger, but is it actually scaling? Like I don't think growth equals scale in the way that those two are sometimes equated. Are the new people coming in? Are they staying? Are they staying engaged? Are they getting value out of the community space? Do they feel trust in the community space to be able to share the things that they need to share or speak up if they don't love something that's going on or or have a problem or challenge? So I actually came, I've had two community manager roles where that was in my JD. And the first one, we did grow very rapidly. And part of that was the pandemic and everyone stepping online. A pandemic and a product launch at the same time is a wild wild ride. (laughs) Yeah. And we had, we wound up with 300% growth pretty rapidly. And I think that that was like very exciting. And we like certainly wanted to shout it out, but growing that fast in an unexpected way kind of left our community team being like, oh gosh, like we didn't necessarily create our processes to scale that quickly. And so we were still trying to do the very manual things that we had been doing that had worked when we had X number of folks and finding out very quickly that we couldn't really do them with fairness. So for example, like if there was a community agreement violation, like our protocol was really to have a conversation with that person and understand where the miscommunication was and what the intent was and how we could move forward and make sure things were explained. When your community is growing super rapidly, like it would be really nice to promise that. But if you can't deliver on it, it's no longer a valid process, you know, you know, to to really tell your members about. So I think we faced a lot of growth challenges there just trying to adapt to the pace on the go. So one of the things in my community now is we cover folks around the world. We cover folks across industry and job title and company. So it seems like we have a kind of pretty wide berth of folks that we could ask to join our community, but we are growing by word of mouth right now. So that is something that we did with our conference. We wound up having 860 folks register for our first conference completely through word of mouth
0: reach out. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. Big, big props to our marketing lead, Sydney, because that was really her intentional work. But what we're finding is that the folks who find their way into our community understand what it is and they want to be there. And because they're coming in that way rather than just a like, yeah, I'll check it out. Why not? There's 30,000 people here already. I might as well. I think having that smaller number and growing slowly doesn't give you that like sexy growth metric, but it does give you a chance to build those relationships and adjust those processes as you go rather than kind of hitting that critical point where things can kind of go south pretty quickly if you aren't able to adapt and you don't have that bandwidth.
0: It's so true. That's something we talk about a lot with people considering building community is like, don't promise the world because you cannot deliver it at scale. You know, when you have 50 people in your community saying like, oh, I'll do one-on-one calls with everybody or, you know, whatever, even 50, honestly, that's a lot. But, and then you grow it and this expectation has been set and it's like, cool. I hope you enjoy working 90 hours a week, taking calls. Cause you promise this thing, or you have to say like, haha, just kidding. And nobody likes that. So it's better to just kind of Under promise, over deliver in a way, but then adjust accordingly.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I I always joke that there is like this scene in Jurassic Park with Jeff Goldblum's character, and it's like, just you were so focused on whether or not you could, you didn't stop to think if you should. Yes. (laughs) And I like want that on all my community things because I think that is the thing is like, oh, yeah, of course we want to be open to more people, we want to support more people. We want our existing members to have access to more connection. Like we want to do more things. And that's a very real, I mean, I definitely feel that all the time. Of course, I like always want to do more. And I think the challenge is really seeing like, okay, is that really the best thing? Is fast growth the best thing for our members, the best thing for our business, the best thing for the mission that we're trying to achieve together? Or is fast growth kind of a, like a quick, fix type thing that we'll then have to backtrack and like make up for later because in that case
0: like what's the point for sure for sure and it's interesting too because there's a lot of data points you know because any anyone who's reporting to a ceo or a board or you know or whatever you're often reporting on data right and so everyone wants that arrow to just keep going up i think it's interesting and and valuable to be open to looking at different metrics right because like yeah user acquisition, like net new members this month grew and people are always like, that's great. But in reality, it's a vanity metric. Like it doesn't actually mean anything. If someone signed up for your community, kind of like the life cycle of a community member is so much more important. So having 10 people join and nine of the 10 go through and hit the milestones of like life cycle onboarding that you wanna see and like they are participating it's so much more valuable than 50 people joined and one person did that, right? I'm curious, in your current company or just in general, do you, do you ever have to kind of have those conversations with people about like, hey, I know we're really focused on this thing, but in actuality, here's what really matters. Like, look at this.
2: Yeah, I feel very lucky. I'm on a, a very small team. There were under 20 folks. So I actually report directly to our CEO um, and he has experience with building community within an organization, which is so valuable because he has experience leveraging volunteers. He has experience building events and those types of things. So I think we do have more of a common language than I think a lot of folks talking to their leadership may have, who maybe are a little more removed from that community experience. But we definitely have had conversations when it comes to growth about what is better if it is that fast or that slow growth, if it makes sense to be going out and recruiting people, or if it makes sense to grow by word of mouth. And I do feel very grateful that in setting my metrics, like I'm listened to there, you know, we do have the agreement and the understanding that like our community health metrics, which is a survey that we do every six months in our community, which is something that I adopted from a Danielle Mayville. Danielle, you're a hero. One of her newsletters about building a community health survey is something that like, I reference time and time again and, and was really supportive in building our own community health metrics. So we're looking at things like retention. We're looking at things like how are people feeling in the community? Is it accomplishing its purpose? Are they feeling more empowered at work as a result of being here? What kind of things are they using? What of our features are they absolutely not using at all and don't see a use case for. So I think making sure that we stay useful to the folks that are here so that those folks hopefully then go out and tell other people to come and join is what I'm really more focused on at this point. And I think something like our conference, when we had members sharing that they were so excited to go and then jumping into chat and communicating and Members volunteering as speakers or as advisors was kind of a little bit of a proof point that I was really proud of. That folks are engaged and they do want to be here and they care about what we're doing and they're invested in doing it together.
0: Every six months—that's that's that's great because that's like they're kind of a big thing, you know. Or maybe I don't know. Do you have tips? Do you have like a? Did you figure out through trial and error how to streamline getting people to to fill it out and then you know analyzing the the results.
2: I'm also very lucky there in that our, she just transitioned to a different role in the company, but our, our faculty advisor, her name is Maureen Gillespie. She is an organizational psychologist and oh, she, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. She was in charge of a
0: stacked like staff over
2: there. <laughs> we really do. I like can't yeah. shout out my, my team enough. I like that is, like, I don't know, the first however many episodes of like my own podcast will just be me like waxing on about how great they are <laughs> and talented and amazing and funny and silly and the best. Sounds great.
0: Like this is like a if you're hiring, like just send the link. I'm sure yeah. everyone's like, this sounds great. Yeah, come on down. <laughs> Anyways, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah.
2: So again, I was really lucky in that I was I was able to go to Maureen, who was at the time in charge of like data and metrics and has a background in that and say like, here's the survey I want to run. And she was like, okay, great, great starting point. And she was able to help me pull some of the bias out of it, pull some of the leading language out of it, so that we wound up with this like really solid survey. And she has been so helpful in looking at that data with me. And what's helpful, we have something called the Organizational Empowerment Assessment, which is one of the services that we offer which based on our own like research-developed empowerment model is a way of looking at how employees in a department or in a company are feeling about their time at work and their experience at work. So we kind of had that data framing and we had kind of a precedent of, of being data-driven at the company. And so between Danielle's guidance with her newsletter and Maureen's expertise, I, I felt very lucky to be able to plug into that expertise and talent to make what we have. Getting folks to do it, I'm sure as any community folks listening know, is is another story and another challenge. But one thing that we've done is pivot to asking folks directly to do it rather than posting a general post. Folks want to help. They're willing to, it's an anonymous survey, but they're usually willing to be like, yeah, sure, I'll answer it. I'll take 10 minutes and give you some feedback. So Props to our community members, also.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, <laughs> they're they're obviously amazing based on based on the structure of this company. I have no doubt. I'm actually have a tab open looking. It's like, yes, I do want to join. Yes, I am a cultivator. <laughs> That's fantastic. I would actually say, you know, if if Marine's cool with it, you should even consider some of the like some of the things she might have brought up that you hadn't considered, like you said, like removing bias and those sorts of things, like you could totally create a, like a template and sell it <laughs> or give it or, you know, whatever. I don't know if you, or if you have a news, your own newsletter or anything.
2: The interesting thing is too, is we work with a lot of internal community leaders. So ERG leads, community practice leads, that's many of the folks in our community, which isn't surprising to me because I feel like communities as change agents, like Of course. So it doesn't surprise me that there's a big like cultivator community leader overlap, but that is a really good idea. I definitely will talk to her about that because I'd love to make it available for more folks and also get their feedback on
0: what they think works and doesn't. It's so important. Like not to harp, you know, I know we both totally agree on this, but just talking to your community and giving people like that anonymous outlet to kind of answer those sorts of questions is so powerful. Cause you know, I always, I have a very open door policy. I sometimes send, you know, mass DMS to people. It's just like, Hey, how's your membership going? Like, if you need anything, let me know. And the amount of responses I get from that and like, not even intentionally trying to do anything like research-based with that. But like the trends that you see, the anecdotal stuff, it's so amazing. So actually taking the time to create a more like research-backed and driven process, I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. I feel challenged to, you work on a template, I'll work on creating one for my community because we haven't done a survey in a while. Yeah, but I like that you have that cadence because I also think that helps teach your members. Like this is a thing that happens every, like, you know, they start to, They know it's coming or that's just part of the experience. Like there's going to be a survey every six months. And so they're more likely to just adopt the habit of like, oh, yeah, time to fill it out. Do you share the results with your community?
2: We do. It's something I'd like to do more of, I would say. So we're a community that is based on Slack right now. We are starting an experiment to see if we want to move to a LinkedIn group in part or Completely. Right now, they're going to operate concurrently for the time being. But we are finding that Slack is not like intuitive for a lot of folks to access, especially if they're in a large company. Their computer might block it. So. Oh, really?
0: Yeah. So that's a trip. It's like such. It's been such a part of my experience, like career experience. Like every community job I've ever had, we use Slack as a company. So I forget that other, that like not everyone has six Slack communities that they're a part of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's that's interesting.
2: It's, yeah, it's one of those things where we're trying to meet people where they're at and also like understand better where we can find them. And so I think that's been kind of just a a platform challenge. Also just the change to messages deleting after 90 days has been something that like led to us forming a resource database on Notion so that like we have the things that are shared in one place. You learn to adapt and be agile. That's interesting. So is that a free Slack group then if they delete every 90 days? It is because our membership is free. So we we really try to be like very cost conscious. Pretty,
0: pretty scrappy. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, most people are on LinkedIn, right? So that would be an option. It's funny. There's so many community platforms out there, but I mean, candidly, I'm not sure there's like, I've yet to see one rim like that fits every use case. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then it not being like a gazillion dollars <laughs> if it does. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. It, there's so many incredible, I I can't remember the name of the platform itself, but I actually I did see school I know you had Noelle on the podcast I just yes. listened to her episode and one of the things that we did was do like learn how to do a really in-depth platform cla- uh, comparison and in that process I found this like dream platform for our use case and it's wonderful and it's like so not affordable um yeah so it's like my dream I think about it from time to time you know wistfully yeah and we have talked about it we looked and we like looked at this platform and and we kind of were like wistful together um and I don't think it's in the cards right now but we were able to be like let's revisit this in a couple years and like see where we're at and if it if it'll operationally like save us more on like the duct taping it together on the back end you know um to just have this platform or another platform because there's new amazing ones happening all of the time that's the thing
0: it's like even the last five years, like just imagine what's going to happen the, in the next few between the existing platforms and the ones that aren't even out yet. Things will change. It'll, like everything, it's going to become more accessible. I mean, if, if AI can, <laughs> if you can tell Chat GPT to create a web code for your website and it'll do that and you can just use it and you don't know how to program, imagine what will happen in community. Yeah. <laughs> equally exciting and terrifying all at the same time. Yeah. But yeah, I do appreciate that we aren't limited to things like Facebook groups. Like there are just a lot of options for creating smaller budget communities that used to not exist. I mean, I worked for many a companies where the community, the platform was built by the engineers there. And then that was a whole thing of like trying to get time to fix things and whatnot versus just having a, third party plug and play platform that you could just add. So things are a changing. They
2: are. I did in a pastoral, a move from Facebook groups into self-built platform. And I was so happy to get off Facebook. I will say that like, as much as my members were like, I want off Facebook, I hate Facebook. The second we were like, we're moving off Facebook. They were like, we don't want to.
0: Of course. Yeah.
2: So that was like an adjustment, I think, just in terms of folks know how to use Facebook, even if they don't love it. I will say on like the community manager side, being on one of those platforms where folks are checking their notifications all the time seriously skews your engagement data. Oh, totally. Yeah. Which is wild. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then the move to, I think, also realizing what the expectations are for a platform when it's self-built folks expect the notifications to be great they expect an app immediately i and you know like and a lot of that like i would expect that too if i didn't know all the stuff that went in on the back end so that was like a massive learning for me and a, i think a massive learning we got to like get really scrappy in our community to figure out how to like make workarounds for the things we just didn't have yet but knew we'd eventually have
0: oh everything you said resonates so deeply like yes and Plus one. Yeah, it's funny. Communities as a whole want things very vocally, but then don't always follow through with, like, okay, we did this huge thing you've been asking for. And then they're like, hmm, never mind. (laughs) Like, awesome. Awesome. That was like eight months of my life. Moving off Facebook in particular, I mean, I think it's a temporary problem, like, frankly, because I think less and less people are on Facebook. So it's, and more and more platforms are, I mean, I will give credit where credit is due. I I hate Facebook. I hate everything about it. But I think how they built interaction, like on their platform, like the UX and just how it works. Like you have a feed and the things you follow are in the feed and you can like them or comment or whatever. And then like, even in groups, like how it works and how it's like real time interaction, but it's not like a chat room. It's not really a forum. It's like in between. Like that is all genius. It's just everything else that sucks. So like getting people off a platform that's like kind of terrible, but like works really well to go to a platform that will not work. It is not Facebook. And then people compare it like it's hard. It is very hard. But I I think between other platforms catching up with this, like the the smoothness of how you can engage in Facebook, like cop basically copying that, but without having all the like, you know, your racist aunt reposting like, 15 things a day or or whatever else like all the other things on Facebook getting rid of that piece like it's a challenge but i think i think slowly it's it's going to ease up as as these platforms are just easier to use for people and more intuitive
2: yeah it feels like we're very much in the almost like the shadow that Facebook left still like because it is the standard of what people think of when they think of feed and when they think of of just those like little things like likes and things like no, like certain kinds of notifications and stuff like that and i think there is that very real challenge that it was kind of folks whole life in one thing for the time that it was there. So it was your aunt, it was like your former coworker and it was like that person from fifth grade and the community that you're in. So it's always like a little bit. Yeah. Everything everywhere all at once.
0: Yeah. Situation. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It's uh you know, anymore. I think people are, are leaving Facebook pretty quickly. I think I'm biased, though, because I left a while ago. So I'm like, look, everyone's leaving. I'm still on Instagram, though. So you know, I am a hypocrite. I will just go ahead and say that. (laughs) But you know, you know, you do what you got to do. But yeah, it seems it seems like jokingly, like more and more, it's just boomer book. And so if that's if that's your audience, if that's your target, like, cool, but I don't know, I but I do understand I, I empathize with like the convenience of just going to Facebook. And being able to like interact with your group, like there's something about that. And it is hard to, it is hard to compete with. And so you just have to have a reason for people to make that, you know, tedious effort of going off Facebook to access the engagement that happens in your space. But I think people are starting to realize it's like, oh, I can go here and there's not like a bunch of fake accounts. And it's like actually quality conversations and people aren't randomly banned and, you know, from, from something else happening on Facebook or just, you know, just all of that. I mean, I think people are starting to get it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that like that portability factor that you were saying is like, is a huge thing. And and I, when I was leading a community that was on Facebook, they, and this was a few years ago now, but that was like the single best selling point of it was that people had support in their pocket at all times, you know, without having to give full access to their personal information like you could join and keep your profile hidden and so i think there was like some real benefit there and it's just yeah how do we take those really great qualities or the things that were great at one time and put them into something new that we feel like meets our needs better and and yeah is morally better
0: (laughs) and you can get away from all the drama yeah. From the high school group or whatever, or the popular girl that now is trying to get you to join her MLM or whatever.
2: MLM. Phenomena. It is it,
0: like, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating, like study of like the human experience and society. It's like this whole micro society we've created online and how people like kind of get drawn into like, well, it's this. Okay. So bringing back the high school book covers, if anyone yes. <laughs> was like, well, I want to hear about that. It kind of goes back to this. We were talking about how in high school, it was such a big deal to cover your books, you know, your textbooks that were on loan from the school, probably, and you would cover them. I was saying like at my school, it was like craft paper, like a, like a paper bag from the grocery store inside out, of course. And then you would like decorate it. And that was such a part of like identity, like how you did it. Right. Like I remember the very boring basic boys, they just did it bare minimum. Because it was just, it it, it was a solution. It was a, fu- it was a functional thing. That's good. And then like the very artistic peoples were just like, have these amazing covers. And then like mine were like chaos, just sheer chaos. Because <laughs> I would like keep changing them because I couldn't pick. So anyways, we were talking about that and how like culturally, how important that like things like that were culturally at that time in your life. And how now like thinking about it, I kind of feel like Facebook kind of brings some of that back in a way. Yeah. It's weird, but like the bad parts, <laughs> Yeah, I feel like, Some of the good parts too, but...
2: Yeah, there's like such a wholesomeness to like that as a memory and same on the brown paper bag piece. I never... Yeah. I know.
0: Yeah, what, were, what did you do?
2: I also did brown paper bag. I was never very good at it. Like I never really had the patience to cut them out well. So like, and then I remember they'd get very like, they'd get rained on a few times at the bus and like they'd yeah. get all gross and weird, which... Yeah, but I I would always try to like have my friends sign them or like write little things on there or like put a sticker on there. And it felt like such a way to choose, pick and choose in the same way as like social media is the things about your identity that you wanted people to know and like highlight those things. And I think people do that coming into community with like their intros. It's just like, this is what I want you in this space to know about me. And this is what I think. You will think is important. And so it is really like we're still covering our books metaphorically, I guess, forever.
0: <laughs> Mine are still chaos. <laughs> metaphorically. <laughs> Same. Right. I'm like, well, I like I'm multi-passionate. <laughs> I have all the interests on all the things, and I and it's kind of exhausting, but welcome to my brain. Yeah.
2: That's I mean, the introduction is still like my favorite spot in most communities. I love reading like who people are and where they're located and what they want us to know about them and like seeing a picture of their pets and all of that, like the things like beyond their job, like the things that they choose to include, I think yeah is so special. And it's still like, no matter if it's like a workplace community or like a very vulnerable, like peer support community, I think like taking that step to do your introduction, like it's always very Vulnerable to hit send and be like, is anyone going to resonate with this still?
0: Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I think that like that's always the part that I appreciate the most because that's where like that trust starts to be built or not. And there's like a big opportunity to like welcome folks and be like, I see you. And I think this thing that you shared is so cool.
0: I love it. It's kind of like the penguin that gets shof- shoved off the iceberg, except every person has that feeling. Like, even if they're not the first, because it's like, all right, let's. Let's see if there's a predator in the water or just like let's see what happens and it's like that acceptance, right? There's so many high school analogies we could dive into with this. It's, it's like, amazing. And yeah, it's, it's very much a like what people think is important to portray. So even though it's like a curated, it's like the book cover, right? And, and I don't mean this in like a bad way, but it, it's funny because you can see who they are by what they gauge is important to share. you know? Like some people are just sheer business. And and like in our community, it's a professional network community, right? So it makes sense. They're like, this is what I do. This is why I joined. I need help with this. I can help with that. Okay, thanks, bye. very just like, da, da And then other people will be like, yep, I do this. But also check out this picture of my llamas and, you know, and like, just like whatever. And it's very clearly like there, you can tell like, well, I'm also here to engage on a different level. Lo- like they just, they show you who they are in, in many ways and not to say it's 100% accurate, but it's great because you kind of just get a sense of motivations and and personality and it helps with the relationship building.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's like funny, the little things that can really, really make an impact and totally like valid to just do kind of this is who I am. This is why I'm here. But I always yeah, I always had to introduction channel first because I always want to know like who's all here. And yeah, vibe check. Yeah, exactly. And like, see, even even beyond the like, posts themselves how those posts are being received by staff or by other members is I think so important because it it, that's like the the proof point is like is this a welcoming place am I okay in this space do I belong in this space like the willingness to try is I think what sets off that whole member journey
0: it's so true I feel like that's such a good like I was joking vibe check but it's kind of like what's the, like, is it, is there a red flag, yellow flag, green flag, right? Cause you can tell based on interaction response, there's nothing worse than being excited about joining a community and you get in it and it's just crickets, you know, like there's a post here, post there, but it just kind of feels like this wasteland where every once in a while there's a conversation, but there's nothing super recent or like that, that more than like the same couple people, you know, like responded in. I always as a consumer, like that, I find so disappointing. And as a community builder, like, it's just so like, this is so close. Like, what's happening? Where's the community manager? (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, Yeah. I think it's like, it's that and then it's like, it's introductions. And then it's events for me always, because I think that there is like, something really special that can happen in event spaces where folks get to be as maybe as like one-to-one as they can be in a virtual global community. So yeah, but I I totally agree. I, th- I think it is like that, how your introduction is received or how you see other folks being welcomed into the space is like how you will decide how you use the community, in my experience.
0: It also seems, I, this is very anecdotal, but the people that make the effort to post an introduction, I find often just have a more successful experience and like a better just overall community experience than people who don't. And I, I don't know if it's a psychological thing where it's like, you know, I'm poker chips on the table. Like I'm in, like I'm invested. So I'm going to do this or if it's just a coincidence and it's not, I've certainly like, there's no way for me to prove this. It just, it's a vibe. It's a feeling uh, just based on, so and myself included, like I will some I join all sorts of communities because I like to see, you know, I like to see how other people are doing things and, and whatnot. And I'm generally a lurker, because, like by design, because I'm like, you know, this is what I do. And like, I may participate a little, but I don't want to take over, which I feel like is would be very easy for me to do. I want to respect that it's not my community in a way. It's It's weird. And I find like, I'm not as engaged versus if I do, like if I was going to go in full blast, but I don't want to annoy whoever's running the community. So I, I usually don't, you know what I mean? Like there's something about just invest, like the investment of actually not, not just observing, I guess. And, and I love, love the lurker. Like I love lurkers. I know a lot of people get a lot out of community and just personally don't like, to interact in the way that us as community builders want, like see them in the way where we can be like, okay, they're good. Like I, I respect that there's multiple ways to engage, but, uh, it does seem like, you know, you don't have to be the the loudest person in the room, but just interacting in some capacity, it just seems to make the experience so much better for people. Yeah. Like their interaction makes their experience better.
2: Yeah. I know. You said like observing too, and I always call lurkers observers because I like always so want to. Yeah, molecular. I want to like validate that experience because like I'm certainly a lurker observer in in a lot of communities I'm in, and we talked about this a little before the call. But I started in in the recovery space and recovery communities, and I think like some of the most impactful posts would be when somebody would come in and they'd be like, "Hey, I've never introduced myself. I've been here for a year." But like, I want you to know that I'm 30 days sober today. And like reading your posts has really helped me so much to get there. Like, I think that those moments, there are so many times being a community builder where like, you can feel like, where are some of the people? Are they okay? And like, it's very valid to like, check in and see if they're okay. But like, there are folks who are getting some really, really great value, like behind the scenes. And they might just not tell you that yet
0: I think especially in like peer support communities like that which I say this a lot on my podcast those are my favorite like it's my absolute favorite kind of community is the type of community where the intention is people with a shared experience or challenge or whatever it is coming together and supporting each other because they get each other um and it's just like the most even though it can be very hard and heartbreaking conversations and people are in like real situations the love and support and like community network that that creates, like, that is one of the best parts of technology, in my opinion. Like, forget the QAnon forums or whatever, and all the like horrible things. Like, that piece there is just which <laughs> they'd probably be like, We're a support community, but like, that piece right there is just like, Yes, this is the good in the world that we need more of, and that like geography doesn't matter, and it, you could be. I remember a company I worked for, we had a, like a teen area and we had an LGBTQ specific teen area and not the Trevor project, but something, you know, similar idea, which Trevor love it. And like the power of that, especially like the kid who's so alone and that they could come into this group. And be seen and understood in a way that, like, just ah, like I'm getting the tingles. Like, it's just so beautiful. So, just a just a little rant, but ultimately, want like the the thing about like observers, lurkers. I think we all like we all panic because we're like, are they are they okay? And that's like just send them a message. And nine times out of ten, they're like, I'm doing great, thanks. And you're like, okay, got it, like no problem. And that's my whole thing. I'm like, I back off. I'm like, you know where to find me. Like, I just want to make sure they know. Like, hey, if you need anything. I'm here. Um, nice to meet you. And you know, enjoy, carry on. <laughs> like I'm not going to be like, well, what you should do is post 50 times. You know.
2: Yeah. Not here to steamroll you with friendship, but here to support you in the ways that you want. And totally, I totally, totally, I love that that story too because that's something like we saw in our in our recovery communities. Also, yeah, we we made sure to as we like developed our community programming further, like one of the things about addiction is that it disproportionately affects folks who are in marginalized identity groups. So we started a queer group, which I was able to co-lead, which was my favorite space in the entire world. And we had a BIPOC group, we had a group for folks who are 50 plus, and a group for folks who are parents. And I think being able to go into those spaces. And I mean, I was only a part of the one group. So like, kind of would just hear stories from afar on the others. But being able to go in, have those points of your identity in common, and also have like the experience of addiction in common, even if it looked different, regardless of distance, like is so incredible. And I also like just want to give folks props in those peer support communities, because that's like Oh yeah, Where it's the most vulnerable, like you're going into a space on the internet and introducing yourself and like saying who you are and saying where you come from and saying like what you're struggling with and you're like hoping that's held. And that's like such an impossible gift of trust before it's even earned in a lot of cases, you know, and so like, yeah, I'm with you. Those are my favorite, my favorite spaces.
0: They're the best. Well, and and why it's so important, and I, I think it kind of ties back big full circle to the advantages of slow growth. Because if you try to, and and I think you you touched on this a little with that community, like when you focus on scaling and growing, like the safety, the personal safety experience of people is at risk. Bringing a bunch of new people in, and not and not that you should be like exclusive and not let people in but there's like you can't on scale ensure the level of safety that you can when it's a slower a slower role and there's more care in ensuring people you know on board and understand you know what are the guardrails here and what are the expectations and just all of it and not that it's like oh well they need to take a course you know to get in or whatever but there is something about you know if a thousand people join today ensuring that they find where they need to go and vice versa, that the community welcomes them is a lot harder. And they're much less likely to post that very vulnerable, like, here's all, here's my mess. Here's why mm-hmm. I'm here. whatever it is, right? Then if it's like a couple people a week or whatever, whatever's the, the pacing.
2: Yeah. And I, I think that's so true. And as like community builders, community leaders, I think there is this thing where like, I can't super control how much you trust me, but like I can control how trustworthy I am. And like part of that is me as a individual contributor or as part of a team being honest about my bandwidth. And like one person can't scale a community to like X number. So like you're going to need more staff, a volunteer program, a budget, a different platform, like any number of things. And I think it's like a an exercise of that trust with your community members to To not grow faster than you're capable of and being honest about your capacity, which is hard in like an organizational setting when you ultimately maybe don't get to make that final call. But trying to like advocate for yourself as best as you can there is I think really, really important.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. It's it's so important. Boundaries and self-care, like especially... When you're running those sorts of communities, like the peer support communities, it's emotionally taxing and like protecting yourself can be, it's hard in any community job, I think just because of the nature of the work, but yeah, those it's tenfold with those. I mean, I took like, when I left that organization, I actually took like a few months <laughs> to just like, I mean, it's just like some consulting and was like, I just need to rest because it's hard. And you care, you care about individuals and you care about so many things happening in people's lives and it's hard to just disconnect.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's something like we maybe don't talk about as much, like kind of the emotional impact. Like I don't think it is for most of us, like you, regardless of the community, but especially if you're in that like deep in it emotionally, just like the the, it's not just I'm gonna start a new job it's like, these are my people. And like, I've watched them grow and change and connect with each other. And like, I know what their kids' names are. And like, you know, and and I think there is like a massive emotional hangover from, or at least there was in my experience in the- Absolutely. The like, quote unquote, loss of that, even though I didn't lose a lot of those relationships that were important to me. Like, it's still, it's it's a lot. It is a very emotional- emotionally invested thing
0: it's funny too because like the job we've gone so over but uh, so i'll just final point we can discuss and then we can transition (laughs) sorry i warned you i warned you i start talking (laughs) it's funny because like the job of like a community manager community builder like we very much build relationships that is like the foundation of what we're doing but then like when you leave an organization there's like a hole on both sides And it's just kind of funny because it is such a unique crossroad of like professional career type thing and like actual like real relationships with people like there's even though I've always advocated for community builders to have like strong boundaries and really, really prioritize those like it's still like almost like a loss. Like you said, like there's almost like a grieving tenfold. So with emotional support type peer support communities, I mean, I'm still in touch with people from that. And that was years ago, just because, you know, you're, you're a part of a person's very personal experience for years sometimes. And then you don't just like, then you're not like, okay, got a different job. bye You know, like there's, there's still like emailing like, Hey, how you doing? Or, you know, did this thing ever happen? Like you said, how's it like, Oh, congrats. Your, your child has now graduated high school. Let's talk about how we feel old. Cause Oh my gosh. And you know, it's uh no one really does talk about that. Yeah. I don't think
2: I've ever talked about it beyond like my friends and like my, my former team, but like, Yeah, I have I have a group of my former members actually formed their own like free peer support community. And they have like a beautiful website in their own circle. I feel like I watch them from afar. And I like don't want to, yeah, I don't want to like march in there, you know, and, and like take up a lot of space. But like, I'm so heckin proud of those folks. And like, I am like, the like mean girl's mom from the side who's just like you're doing great you know like
0: so <laughs> uh, proud of you not, like regular community managers I'm a yeah. community manager yeah exactly <laughs> well, <that's the> goss. <laughs> I feel that so hard oh uh, that is great yeah it's it's kind of fun to see your little baby birds fly but also be like so <laughs> I mean if you want me to join I guess oh. <laughs> please
2: please hang out with me now that you don't have to because i'm paid to be here you know like please just (laughs) like me for me
0: yeah right well i'm sure we could just talk all day and just have a blast but for your sake for our audience's sake let's come to the close i like to end with a rapid fire questionnaire i'm gonna ask you some questions and it's kind of like your goal is super quick like one sentence or less response just based on whatever pops in your head my goal is to leave it at that and go to the next question you know we don't really enforce the rules but we try so that's the intention i'll do my best not to ask follow-up questions because i'm sure you can tell i'm nosy slash curious rapid fire time are you ready and there's no math i like to preface Don't worry, no math questions.
2: I feel like I'm gonna be like the the Billy Eichner, like the name one woman, and then the person's like ah ah. So like, just prepare (laughs) for prepare for that. But yes, I'm ready.
0: (laughs) No problem. Don't worry. These are not difficult. Well, I shouldn't say that. I don't think they're too difficult, but we'll see. Okay, Lisa. First question: When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up?
2: A ninja turtle.
0: A particular Ninja Turtle?
2: Donatello. I really liked purple.
0: See, I'm already going to break. I wanted to be Michelangelo. And I don't remember why. I think it was the weapons. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So many factors in your Ninja Turtle choice.
0: That's the best answer I've ever heard in my life. Thank you for that. (laughs) How do you define... This is the hardest question, in my opinion. How do you define community?
2: In one word, I would say relationships, but I also really like our company definition, which is a group of motivated individuals with a common interest moving in a strategic direction.
0: Okay. Whether or not you have a bucket list, pretend you do, like life goals, what is something on that list that you have done?
2: Oh, gosh. I've sat at the desk of like a news anchor on the, on the evening news When I was a kid, and I didn't talk, and you couldn't see me, but I was in second grade and I was there.
0: That's amazing. Okay, flip question What is something on that list that you have not yet done, but you hope to?
2: Sing solo karaoke. I've sung in a group, but I've never been brave enough to do it by myself.
0: You have the best answers. Okay, I think you're a reader based on your background, which is for everyone listening, a lot of books. And that's what stemmed our whole covering your textbooks conversation. <laughs> what is a book you love, a book you just read, a book you wish everyone would read? Any any answer, fiction, nonfiction, doesn't matter.
2: Yeah. my I think the most beautiful book I've ever, ever read is Ocean Fong's On Earth we Briefly Gorgeous, which is also a beautiful title. If their writing is just the book that like you wish you could write, just every sentence is so stunning.
0: I'm just typing that in my browser so I can look later. This question has brought me a lot of backlog in my reading. Oh, um, I'm I actually reading because I just keep adding books. <laughs> I'm reading the book that Noelle Flowers recommended in our interview. It's so good. She was right. It's a great fiction book. And I forget the name, but I can shoot it to you if if you want it.
2: I'm a uh, library like fiend. I volunteer at my library. So I'm always constantly like, here's my stack of books. <laughs> I I had to stop getting them because they won't actually fit on my shelves anymore.
0: I know. I know. All right. You mentioned you live in Ithaca and you love it. But if you didn't, if you couldn't live there and you could live anywhere in the world, where would you want to live?
2: I always joke that I am moving to Finland. My mom is from Finland. And so I do have family there, but it's just, I, I went in October and I was like, the user experience in this country is just top notch. Like 10 out of 10 would recommend So yeah, I think I would move to somewhere. Well, I'd move to rural Finland because that's where my grandma is. And she would be very angry if I moved anywhere else.
0: (laughs) That sounds lovely. Final question. Lisa, how do you want to be remembered?
2: Oh gosh, that's such
0: a good question.
2: I would say as kind, as silly, and as in my integrity
0: would be my three. I love that. That was the last question. You did amazing. So thank you. Thank Thank you you. for being here. This has been such a fun conversation. I'd love to just keep talking, but I'm sure we both have plenty of community things to do. Let our audience know, you know, where they can find you, whether you have social media that you share publicly or, you know, where you work or whatever your handles preferred handles are. Let the audience know.
2: Yeah, this will be very, very short because I actually only have LinkedIn. I've pulled myself gradually off social. So I'm at Lisa, L-I-S-A. My last name is B-A-R-R-O-C-A on LinkedIn. Message me. I love to meet with folks and chat with folks. And then if you're interested in our community or what we do, we're at cultivateall.com. And I think, yeah, that's that's it. Um, That's the only social I have.
0: Perfect. And bravo for that. Thank you. It's hard. It's so hard. (laughs) Well, yeah, thank you so much. This has been a delight. I appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed this so, so much. I got on so nervous and was immediately not nervous talking about book covers. So thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that's the episode. I hope you enjoyed this talk with Lisa I know I did seriously just want to go get you know some coffee or tea or whatever and just talk all day because it's just that kind of like community manager related experience kind of talk that I know I enjoy so much because it's hard sometimes you're not around people who do community work and they don't really understand these little nuances. So I hope you understood and I hope it was helpful to you in some way. You can definitely hit me up on Twitter at Julian Benbow. In the meantime, go check out Lisa on LinkedIn or at the company website cultivate, but check her out. She's so insightful, so thoughtful and, and that's a wrap. We'll see you next Tuesday. Learn more about the work Lisa is doing at cultivateall.com. All one word, the word cultivate, the word all, A L L.com. And like she said, she is smarter than all of us and not on social media. So if you would like to connect, head over to LinkedIn and search for her name, Lisa Barroca. B A R R O C A. Your lead host for the community experience is me, Jillian Benbow. Our executive producer is Matt Gartland. Our senior producer is David Grabowski. And our editor is Paul Gregores. Sound editing by Duncan Brown. Theme music by David Grabowski. See you next Tuesday.